Hello and welcome to episode one of Self Fling Point of Sale podcast. My name is Kevin Zell. I'm the co-founder for Self Fling, and joining me is Isaiah Simpson. Hey, Isaiah. Hey, Kevin. I'm happy to be here with you today, and we're going to give the people a little look behind the curtain of who you are and how this company came to be. So, how did you get started in this field? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, it's it's sort of a long story, but I'll try to make it as quickly as possible. So. I grew up in China.、Um, I was, you know, three years old when my parents got divorced, so my dad wasn't really around. So my mom, at the time, she had a full-time job, and、uh, she was able to, you know, watch over me until I was nine years old. At that point, I was too big and, you know, too hard to maintain. So she found a Chinese boarding school, and she basically、uh, dropped me off in that school, and, you know,、um, and then she started dating my、uh, stepfather today. Who is American and who owns a、uh, restaurant here in Albuquerque?、I've、been in business for over 20 years. So when I was nine, she actually came to United States. But because of the legal issues of all the paperwork, I couldn't come here to join, you know, the new family until I was 15 years old, and that's when I got to United States. So from nine to 15, I was in a Chinese boarding school where everything is very structured. So you basically,、uh, you know, wake up at You know, 6 a.m. You go to bed at 8 p.m. every night, and you got three minutes to make your bed, and it has to be a perfect square. <laughs> wow! I never forget, right? Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely that'll leave an impression. Yeah, for I、sure. mean, I think anybody grew up in a military school or you know,、uh, boarding school knows how it is. I don't know how it is here in the states, but back in China, it was pretty tough. But it definitely taught me discipline. It taught me perseverance. It taught me、uh, social skills because you know I was in school with I think 30 to 40 other kids in my situation where the parents are not around and you know they want to make sure the kid is not on the streets and getting into、right. gangs and stuff. And that's probably tough too in a certain sense because you don't have that parental connection every day, right? So、yeah. you're you're just kind of. You're independent, right? You really grow up fast in that situation because there's no one really to answer to but yourself and your instructors. Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward, I got to you know Albuquerque at age 15. I went to Highland High School、um, and Albuquerque High. The reason why I went to two schools is because um, um, I, I don't really remember, but I remember I was getting. Picked on by a lot of different kids, you know, because I didn't speak any English, so I was in English as second language. But I also remember, you know, just telling myself, if I want to live in this country, I have to learn the language. So my mom at the time she bought me a a golden dictionary, and basically what it is is it's a piece of like a small size laptop where you can punch in. A Chinese character, and it'll tell you the English, how to spell it, how to pronounce it. Google Translate before yeah, Google Translate. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I used to memorize fifty vocabularies every day. Wow. I wouldn't give up until I memorized all fifty vocabularies. So did that for three months. So after three months, I have a lot of vocabularies. So now when I went to school. You know, through listening to people's conversations, I was able to put it together somehow and try to make sense of it. But because of my vocabulary base, you know, I was in ESL for you know three months, and I was already 
I would say 10 levels ahead of everyone else in there, which is all, you know, Spanish speaking students. Right. So definitely excelled at that. And, but because I grew up in China in military school, all of a sudden, you know, I come to America, it's like a bird has like got out of its cage, right? right yeah. So I'm like, freedom! Yes. Yeah, finally. Yeah, yeah After finally. all those years, you can just run wild and do yeah. whatever you wanted to do. Exactly. And it's, it's really hard as a kid, as a teenager, right? 15 is a tough age anyway. Yeah. So to go from the culture shock of China to America and then being 15 and like you said, shackles are off. You're, yeah. you're your own man. You have that independence and that work ethic from military school, but no restrictions anymore. No beds to make in three right. minutes. No, <laughs> no drill sergeants yelling in your face. The world is your oyster. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it truly was. So right away, I um, quickly found out I wasn't really interested in school or you know, what the school had to offer. I love sports, so I play soccer, and that's about the only thing I would look forward to when I went to school. But other than that, you know, I wasn't interested in math, I wasn't interested to go to college, but I knew right away, like, in order for me to find a job, I need to have at least a high school diploma or a GED, which is a you know, high school diploma equivalent. And that's what I went for. So at 17, you know, I got my GED, and I moved out of my house because, you know, for me, growing up, not having a father, all of a sudden I have a stepfather. That was also pretty difficult for me because, you know, my mom will always get into arguments with my stepfather because he had high hopes for me. He wanted me to go to college and become a doctor, a lawyer, just like every other Asian parent out there, right? Right. But that wasn't me. I couldn't do it. And, yeah. you know, they would get into these fights and I would just be you know, in my room, listening to them, you know, fighting, and it was not fun, let me just say that, right, right. and um, so I decided to move out, and my mom actually, you know, through her connections, found a uh, Chinese restaurant that was able to, you know, provide boarding for their workers, uh, so I got a job with, with these guys, and so now I'm living in this apartment with four other Chinese men <laughs> yeah. that came from China and, yeah. and the five of us live together. We go to work together every day uh, at this restaurant called the Mandarin Express in the Commonwealth Mall. I never forget, yeah. you know, and since I was the, the youngest kid and I'm, I'm at the bottom level, so they had me do all the dirty stuff, right? So yeah. Washing dishes, chopping onions, yeah. you know, chopping yeah. cabbage. Yeah, grunt work. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I knew I need to stick stuck it out to have enough money to, to get myself uh, my own place so I would work there and I also got a job at JC Penney's at the time and um, it was during the Christmas season so you could get a job at any retailer uh, like JC Penney's and I was at the shoe department so I sold shoes I made a lot of friends that are you know Americans and my English continued to improve and pretty soon you know, I decided to just quit the restaurant job because um, I was making more money selling shoes than getting, I think at the time, $5.50 per hour at wow. the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, and you yeah. didn't have to chop cabbages anymore. <laughs> no, no onions, no cabbage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never had to do that again. So that's, right. yeah. Yeah, so, so it kind of just evolved from there. You know, I made some friends and they're like, oh, you're actually pretty funny. And you know, you could be good at sales. Once you go get a sales job, 
So I thought, why not? Looked in the paper um, next week or the week after, uh, found a sales job that said, you know, outside sales for a Dickinson Enterprise. Didn't say what it was, you know, selling, but it just yeah. said it's outside sales. Yeah. And uh, had an $1,800 guarantee for the first 30 days. Wow. I'm like, $1,800, all right. 30 days, yeah, yeah, good money. So I showed up to the interview. Uh, the gentleman that interviewed me, he really liked me because, uh, you know, I had a pretty good personality and um, I had a good work ethic because I, you know, held the job that I was at for, you know, six, seven months. So he's like, oh, that's good, you know. Yeah, good enough. So he hired me and the first day I showed up and they brought out this vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, so it turned out it was Kirby vacuums door to door. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I still did it, you know. I really enjoyed uh, going door to door because uh, I was walking outside and, you know, I was smelling the fresh air. I wasn't just like confined in a in a small space chopping vegetables or you know waiting for someone to come over so i can go get a pair of shoes to show it to them right? yeah and that's the that's really how you hone your pitch yeah because there's no time to waffle in a door-to-door sales situation you're yeah. you're interrupting people's lives yeah and they have no interest in you know that it's completely unprompted so you going there you had to be sharp you had to be you had to get to the point and you had to really know how to sell yeah and we did receive you know a little bit of training as to like what to say and things like that so we would just knock on the door and say hey you know we're offering a free demo of this vacuum and in exchange we will shampoo and you know vacuum first and shampoo a whole room in your house there you go there's an an incentive yeah yeah. maybe that'll keep the door open a little longer yeah so that's how we got in and um at the time you know the vacuum cleaner is pretty expensive i think it was like twelve hundred dollars wow vacuum cleaner that's a hard sell yeah and uh but we still were able to get these appointments and every time you sold one the commission was 300 yeah so you know i would sell maybe two or three per week so for an 18 year old that's pretty that's pretty good money how many doors do you think you were knocking during a week to sell two or three uh close to a hundred doors i would say wow yeah so I mean, again, that's just that's building up that resiliency because yeah. you have to get used to rejection, and you really have to believe that maybe this next door, <laughs> right? Maybe exactly. this guy will <laughs> let me sell him a vacuum. But. Right. Well, and it's not always like on the spot, but it does happen sometimes. Well, first you got you got to get the appointment, and then you um, you co- you go back the next day or a week later, and then you know you you hopefully you close the deal. But I think a lot of times when I got the sale is because the customer felt bad for me. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> know, like, a sale's a sale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can get it, you know, you got to take what you can get at that yeah. age. And that's a, it's still, it's a part of it, right? Yeah. Is that there has to be a connection between you and that customer. Whether it's pity or right. respect or trust, some connection has to be made. Right. And what's interesting is that's also how I um, got my first dog. I was walking one day on 98th Street past Central, and I remember like I pulled up to the street. We park at the you know end of the street. We start walking uh, from one side and then make a U-turn to the other side. And all of a sudden, I saw this dog started following me for a few streets, and um, 
I opened the door, it jumped in my car, and it became my dog ever since. It was it was a it was a beautiful blue pit bull. Oh. I didn't even know what kind of dog it was until my roommate at the time told me. <laughs> That's a pit bull, you know. Yeah. It had its ears kind of chopped up wrong. Mm. You know how they make the ears pointy. Yeah. But this dog, his ear was just like, like kind of like a square, you know. So they cut it probably wrong or somehow some just way. abandoned it probably yeah and and that became my dog and that was such a sweet dog what I was its name Cujo Cujo yeah killer <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and he got big he got to be like 110 pounds wow yeah. yeah yeah it was the sweetest dog ever that's why I still have a soft spot for uh for pit bulls even though my wife's like you can't get a dog especially <laughs> pit bulls two little kids yeah, yeah. Now I have two little kids exactly maybe so, when they're bigger yeah maybe when they're bigger so um, after you know doing the vacuum for a while, my roommate at the time, you know, I don't know, my roommate has always been like this trusted advisor for me when I was you know in my teenager years, 18 to 19. He says, uh, why don't you go sell cars now? Because uh, you probably make a lot more money than selling vacuums. So I did. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's good advice. You know, yeah. all you needed. Where'd you end up selling cars? What yeah, so first my dealership? first uh, car selling job is that. Uh, University Volkswagen Mazda yeah. uh, off of uh, I-25 and San Antonio. It's still there, you know, I still drive by and sometimes I go in and, you know, I try to say hi to Mr. Jack, but he's no longer around. Oh, wow. But he was, uh, he was a really good man. The sales manager at the time, uh, Phil Olivas, he took one look at me and he hired me right away. And uh, he gave me an opportunity. Uh, on my first day, he handed me this book uh, the book is called Integrity Selling. So I read that book from you know front to end, and it's basically a great book for anybody that's you know looking to start a career in sales. It teaches you the four different personalities and how to approach each different personality. So I sold cars for about three years, and you know I always thought car salesman has a bad rep, right? Yeah. Um, so I thought you know I don't want to be a car salesman forever. So I was around 23, 24, and I started looking for something else. And uh, I found a retail sales job at uh, More Furniture. It's a furniture store. And I really loved it. I was at the furniture store for about three and a half years, and I did really well. You know, my personality really started to come through, and all my fellow salesperson will say, Kevin can say anything and nobody will get pissed off, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, every time I would make a sale, I would go ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, they must have loved you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some still pretty funny stories if you ever go back to the store. If people are still there, they'll know who I am. You yeah. Know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and so after doing retail for so many years, I just thought to myself, you know, I'm good at sales, but I'm tired of having opportunities you know, walk through the door or rely on opportunities to walk through the door to make a sale. You know, I wanted to be able to go get it myself yeah. to take it to the next level. So I started looking into outside sales and I got a job, um, you know, at an outside sales job and I did it for, you know, three months and quickly realized, wow, this is a completely different ball game. I went from making a very good income to you know, half of what I was making in, so, in retail. So why was that? Why was it so hard to shift from? Yeah. What What was it about? Was it the product that you were selling? Was it that you had to cold call and drum up all your own leads and you just had 
nothing or what was so hard about that in comparison because up until this point it seemed like you had been doing well yeah. or well enough you'd been building 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 and then something about this sale just wasn't working for you yeah it wasn't and I went to work for the Greater Albuquerque Chamber of Commerce and the chamber you know I didn't first of all I didn't really understand what the chamber was offering obviously I had to go through training and the training was like okay we offer great networking we offer you know uh, I guess introductions if you want to meet a certain person in the chamber infrastructure or ecosystem and for me I just didn't really get it you know I didn't get what the chamber was offering to small business owners all the big companies that pay the big commission they were already members like you know and it's all based on how many employees is in the business okay so if you are like a one-person business it's three hundred dollars a year to join the chamber membership and my commission was like 20% of that okay so you you, you figure right you got to right. sell a ton of memberships to yeah. small and, businesses and like you said you didn't really you didn't understand the product in a way that could really yeah. that made it easier for you to sell a yeah. vacuum a car furniture all of that is a more tangible than yeah. trying to sell somebody a membership to something that even you maybe didn't really fully understand the benefits of. Yeah, exactly. So after you know six months, I was um, really pretty much broke because I had to dig into my savings to pay for you know my rent because I wasn't making any money, and I had you know a car payment, uh, my rent, my credit card payments. And it was a tough it was a tough lesson you know this is the first time i really failed that i had fell rock bottom and i ruined my credit because i couldn't just i couldn't pay anymore but because of um, the networking aspect of it you know i was always at all these different networking events try to represent uh, i met a lady that worked for a company called shamrock foods so through shamrock foods i kind of got another opportunity for outside sales because of my Chinese background where I can speak the language and because I worked and grew up in a Chinese restaurant well I was I was working for my mom from 15 to 17 then I moved out so for two years you know I was in the restaurant business and uh, I know how to you know make every dish on the menu for the restaurant I know like you know what restaurants need in terms right. of like what kind of product they're right. they're needing ingredients yeah ingredients and things in that nature everything yeah yeah so so the way is her name she gave me an opportunity she said hey you know you can come work for Shamrock Foods it's a great company you know you have benefits and everything else and we'll we'll, we'll give you a guarantee for this for six months so I'm like great you know let's do it so yeah. I got hired on at Shamrock Foods and. You know, my, my world really started to change um, because of that job because Shamrock Foods really has something to offer, right? Um, they have groceries to sell the restaurants. Right, yeah. yeah it's exactly. a real thing. Yeah, It's now, a real thing. And you get to see it, again, from soup to nuts. You see the whole process. You yeah. see where the food comes from that is then being served in those restaurants. Yeah. So it's not... It's not some nebulous thing. It's a very real process that you're a part of and you can feel the value that you're providing for people. Yeah, so I loved it. You know, I was in Albuquerque doing that for six months and after my six months is up, they needed someone in El Paso. So they paid for me to move to El Paso and I went to El Paso, tried to open up that market for Shamrock Foods for the Pacific Rim Asian department where 
I was, you know, able to approach all the Asian restaurants, but I couldn't touch American restaurants. And I'll get to that later, how it really changed, um, you know, the curvature of my career and how Southling was, you know, uh, brought in. So uh, when I went to El Paso, in the first year, I was able to connect with about 60 restaurants. And basically, I had to, you know, go to these restaurants, introduce myself, and basically say, hey, you know, I'm with Shamrock Foods. This is our first year coming into El Paso. Our trucks are coming to El Paso now, and we offer ABC product for your restaurant, and you should buy from me. And luckily, you know, those restaurant owners resonated with me because I'm Asian, they're Asian, and I can speak their language. So right away, we started, you know, doing business. And and at that point, I realized, you know, selling anything to a business is all about building a relationship. You know, they truly become my friends. You know, um, they invite me to dinner after work. Um, I love golf, so they invite me to golf and, you know, go play golf with them. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, you know, in six months, 60 restaurants, I was really proud of myself that I was able to, you know, bring on so many restaurants. As a matter of fact, I was, you know, rookie of the year for Shamrock Foods for that year for the most accounts signed uh, by a new rep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big accomplishment. And I think it really does bring together what your strengths are, where it's about building a community, finding relationships, and really the interpersonal side of it, right? Where the it goes back to what you were saying about the integrity of sales, where you're really treating them like people. You're not just trying to make a quick buck off of them. You really... You, there's a relationship there, you see them still, and there's no bad blood. They don't feel like you got one over on them. They feel like you guys were able to come to a mutually beneficial solution to whatever your problems were. Yeah, absolutely. Just like any good things or sales, you know, there's always challenges, right, along the along your journey. And, and one of the challenges with selling groceries to Asian restaurants is that it's a highly competitive world. And Restaurants, they have a very thin bottom line and margin, so every penny counts. So Shamrock Foods was doing a great job trying to bring their price down to match what the Asian restaurants are getting from the Asian suppliers, but it still wasn't enough. Um, so I will always run into issues, try to compete on pricing against another supplier. And for example, you know, a case of chicken when I was in that business was around $40 from Shamrock Foods, and that's at a very, very low margin, about 8%, where the Chinese company can come in and say, hey, we can sell it for $35. So, you know, even though we have a great relationship with the business owner, but still, you know, $5 dollars the bottom line is the bottom line. So I just realized, for me to make a money, I just have to increase my sales, uh, which I did. You know, I went from selling about 200K a week to you know 300k but because my commission was so low and the margin was so low therefore the commission was low I just couldn't really see the end result of me being happy and be able to sustain and have a there, career there's only so many more boxes you can't sell yeah. a million boxes yeah exactly <laughs> there, there's only so many Asian restaurants and I felt like I pretty much got them all in El Paso so you know at the time I, I, I uh, discovered um, the secret, um, you know, through my struggles, one of my friend, Robbie, and he has shown me the movie The Secret. And basically it taught you like, 
you know, visualizing and believing in uh, something that you don't have yet, but picturing that it's as if you already have it. So I started to visualize, like, you know, having a family, kids. Um, I started the vision board of having, like, a house and all these different things. And I just really believed, like, you know, I can have all that if I just worked hard. And one day a gentleman came in to uh, pitch, you know, credit card processing as I was sitting down ordering, you know, groceries for this restaurant. And immediately a light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, wow, what is this? You know, this is some form of service that this guy's trying to pitch to this restaurant. And I know 60 restaurants. I know I can most likely pitch the same thing and make a career or some some commission out of it, right? Yeah. So I approached that gentleman. I said, hey, you know, I'm Kevin and I know 60 restaurants. Um, whatever you're doing, I'm really interested and curious about, like, what is that, right? And he said, well, uh, this industry is invitation bases and you kind of have to be under someone to get in. But you can be under me. So he gave me his card. Mm -hmm. But on his card, there's a company name, right? Yeah. So I researched that company that night on Google. Yeah. And uh, I found a hiring agent. I was able to get on a call with him the next day. Yeah. And because my background in sales and I had 60 restaurants working with me, and because I have a personal relationship with the owner, which is what these companies are looking for because they want to talk to the uh, decision maker. Yeah. They, they want decision. an in. They yeah. want you did all the legwork ahead of time. Yeah, they, exactly. You, you were just bringing them 60 clients essentially. They don't have to cold call. They don't have to do any, right. of, any of the stuff that you did to get up to this point. Right. All paid off, and you already have a client list. You already have all of these people you can sell to. Yeah. All you just needed was something to sell. Yeah, so I was a shoe-in, basically. Got hired right away, and within the first 60 days, I think I brought on like seven restaurants or something like that. And uh, a few more months go by. I didn't really sign any more restaurants at that point, but I started doing a lot of research because one of the first restaurants I signed up, I got a call from the owner. He says, hey, you know, I, I didn't really save any money because you told me you were gonna save me like $300 a month, and which happened the first month, but after the first month, it kind of slowly went back up again. So that right away, like, raised an alarm for me because for me, you know, the only way to do business is to be honest and have integrity and if you're gonna say something, you have to deliver, right? Yeah. So right away, I'm like, hey, this is not right. I call my, you know, hiring agent from that company. I say, hey, this is not right. You know, you guys are raising the customer's rates, and he's paying about the same as before. So why, why do we switch him, right? And he says, well, you don't understand. That's just how this business works. You know, we're we're in this to make money. I got guys in New York that's making twenty thousand dollars a month in residual. Yeah. Isn't that what you want? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that but, is what I want, but I don't want to do it this way. Yeah, right? you want to do it the right way. I mean, and yeah. again, from your basis, you have this understanding of the integrity of how you're supposed to sell things to people. So you don't want to do that bait and switch. You want to be upfront from the beginning. Yeah. And you've already, at this point, you've seen how hard it is to build that relationship and to have that that portfolio those people who trust you yeah and how that trust is more valuable than yeah. whatever those basis points is that you could sneak in on the back end yeah i mean trust is very uh, hard to gain and it's 
even easier to lose it and you'll never gain it back and, and your reputation right everybody yeah. talks to everybody but for me like that's just how I was brought up you know growing up in a Chinese military school they taught me a lot of good values and to be honest and you know work hard and so all these things really stuck with me to heart you know and I'll, I'll never lose that you know so I did a lot of research I loved the industry I loved the credit card processing industry because of the freedom that it offers the residual because in sales as you know a lot of sales you sell one and you don't get paid ever again but in credit card processing where you know you you land one client as long as you maintain that relationship and you are honest and you make a decent profit and you take care of them they'll stay with you forever yeah right and that's what the beauty is, is yeah. you work hard and you maintain this relationship so you get paid yeah every single month so I love the industry. So I started doing research on which company are good to be with mm. that are honest, right? Right. And uh, I found a company. Mm. And at the time, it's a W-2 position, which is also pretty rare. Usually, those companies are hiring 1099, you know, contractors. Right. Yeah. So they don't have to pay you a benefit. There's no 401k or anything like that. But I wanted to be with a reputable company that had a career path for me where I could be proud to be, you know, with this company to offer a service and move up the ladder, yeah. right? So I found a company and I submitted my application. Nobody reached out to me. Six months later, I submitted again. Nobody reached out to me, but I was persistent and I knew this yeah. company is who I want to be with. Sometimes you got to knock on a hundred doors for yeah. three people to answer. Yeah, exactly. So eventually, you know, I was able to track down the hiring manager for my region, and he lived in Texas. And I was able to um, get in contact with him and told him my story, and he hired me. And that changed my life. Yeah. It really put me on a career path. I then moved back to Albuquerque, and I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I went to work really even harder, right? And I was bold because I truly believed that this is the company to be with for you know any business because they will not raise your rates behind your back they will stand behind their words and give you you know a promise of you know your rates and they will also promise me as the salesperson you know my residuals and guaranteeing that yeah so that was really refreshing and you know I worked uh, at this company for two and a half years and my first year I was you know number 10 top 10 rookie in the country I wow. got on stage yeah. of, you know 13,000 or 1300 employees or salespeople so competing at a high level yeah. yeah exactly I loved it so two and a half years into it this company was acquired by a much bigger company mm. and this big company was the company we were selling against that had all these you know unfair practices yeah so at that time I knew it was time for me to leave right and start my own thing yeah so and this was back in 2015 and I knew the future had to be you know integrated solutions where it's not just gonna be a credit card machine anymore you have to have a point-of-sale system to run your business yeah. and you have to have online ordering going into you know the future and it has to be one system to handle everything so obviously I'm not a technical person you know I never even finished high school right <laughs> my yeah. GED. yeah and at the time I just went back to the secret I just envisioned myself 
partnering with someone that had the capability to you know code to yeah. be able to do magic with codes and to make a point of sale system and I would tell my friends you know this is what I want to do I want to be able to you know partner up with someone mm. to create my own POS system yeah yeah and when you have <clears throat> when you believe that could happen and you just you know pray on that every day the universe kind of just makes magic happen yeah I mean that's what they always say right yeah luck is when hard work meets opportunity yeah exactly so one day I had my office downtown at the time uh, it was on a Sunday I had to go in for some work so I was working on a Sunday and there's nobody in the building but me and all of a sudden I see this gentleman walk in with his mom and um, so I, I, I approached him I say hey you're working on a Sunday too he goes yeah I'm here with my mother I just started my business I had to get her blessing for my business so I go oh what kind of business is it what do you do he goes I'm a software developer there you go <laughs> I'm like wow this is cool what do you develop he goes restaurant POS what are the odds <laughs> what are the odds right? <laughs> yeah so I'm like, oh my God, this, there's no way. Yeah. Are you serious? He goes, yeah. yeah. He goes, what do you do? I said, well, I'm, I'm in credit card processing. Yeah. He goes, well, we can work together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then... Yeah, so there we go. We started working together. So this gentleman, uh, he's not my current partner with Selfling, but he is the reason why I met my current uh, you know, partner, co-founder of Selfling, Charlie. Mm. So... His name is Karosh. So at the time he lived in Albuquerque, um, he's from Iran, but he had a uh, computer science background and he created this point of sale system called a modular POS. And he had lived in Albuquerque for a while. They had about 12 restaurants, you know, when I met him. And him and I worked together for about six months and I brought him into, you know, seven or eight more restaurants. Wow. Yeah, and then an opportunity came up for him. He moved to Seattle, and his company was acquired by another company called Gravity Payments, and they decided to shelf that project. Wow. So they killed the grab, you know, the modular POS. And Karosh called me that night. He said, hey, Kevin, you know, we got about two months to find all these customers a new home because um, the company that bought my POS no longer want to support it. Yeah. So all these customers have to find a new POS system. So you're scrambling. Yeah, I was scrambling, but Karosh called me a week later and said, hey, you know, I might have a guy that you should meet that has a coding background, and I met him through some networking event. I was coaching him on how to, how to integrate car payments to a system that he's building. His name is Charlie, and he's Chinese. He lives in Los Alamos. He was a scientist, um, and he quit to be a scientist and you know started this company yeah so you should meet him yeah so I say yeah I'd love to meet him you know meet him and uh, two weeks later Charlie came down to Albuquerque we met at um, his first restaurant client B2B which is also you know Karosha's customer and him and I just kind of struck off you know we're about the same age he's Chinese I'm Chinese um, he moved his family here from China He's a family man, he has two sons, and I'm starting a family myself. So we really just clicked and we decided to take a leap of faith and start South Flame. Yeah. And that's where we are today. Yeah, that's where we are today. So yeah, I know that's a lot to cover, guys. And <laughs> you know, this is a little bit of background about me and 
So the next episode, we're going to bring in Charlie and, you know, tell, have him share his story. And, um, you know, we've came a long way as a company. And we just want to thank everybody that's been using us and give us an opportunity to, um, to help us grow along all these years. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, thank you. We look forward to seeing you next week while we talk to Charlie and tell you the full story of how Selfling really came to be. This is Kevin's side, and then next week you'll see Charlie. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.